Hey, do you want more WT Fada throughout the week? If so, head on over to Instagram and give us a follow at WTFADA underscore podcast. There, we post updates about episodes as well as news stories. Usually movies, sometimes just odd. Um, yeah, stay connected and enjoy the show. gentlemen welcome to the 65th episode of what the fuck are we talking about i'm your host ron joined here as always by mr john callahan round of applause yay 65 i think we can retire after this one right i think we can i think we can um just bring that up a little bit closer the microphones are uh sometimes i just yeah yeah that's it i sometimes i just hang it off usually works all right no wonderful yeah sorry (laughs) there we go yeah you're good (laughs) works for me i just want to make sure that like you're nice and clear i don't want anybody to miss out on any john callahan be a shame they might be better off no it's a lies lies so off air we were talking about how uh you've had a crazy week crazy week indeed we're gonna we'll, we'll skip it we'll skip it I won't really ask too much about that. Yeah. Um, well, that's a lot of work-related crap. I don't want to come in here and, you know, just talk about work-related stuff. Because then, like, lame. you know, people that work, where they find, oh, John has a podcast. Listen to it. And I see, like, and then, you know, it gets out. And then it's like, well, he does his podcast and, like, you know, talks about talk just, shit. Talk shit about his experiences at work. And I'm like, I don't want to do that. I don't do that. Not on air. No. You know, I vent. You know, you got, you got some tough uh, tough shit going on at work. It happens is what it is, but yeah, it doesn't yeah. need to make the air, so we're just going to fucking skip past yeah. that. So we won't be, I won't be asking John how his week was, really, this week. Uh, I will say, though, uh, what did you think about uh, the, the election and uh, where we're at? Because I know we talked about that pretty yeah. extensively last episode. Well, um, so from what I understand, it's being told to us that biden has won yes but from what i understand is that is not entirely official no yet no um you can contest it uh which is something that uh, is 100 percent going to happen Uh uh-huh usually you have to be within like 0.5 percent of the vote and i think there's a couple of states that are that close so you know if like if those states got overturned then you know it would be trump winning mm. not biden uh but yeah i uh i don't know do you have any idea what's going to happen if it gets overturned i honestly it's i mean gonna be chaos regardless yeah i mean it's gets... already been 
kind of, like, I feel like in general most people are happier, but, like, there's already been things that are, like, Jesus, mm. that polling place got shot up in Nevada or something. Oh, yeah, I didn't yeah. hear that. Yeah, that was something. Oh, I see there's people out there that are just screaming to stop the count. Yeah. People out there on their hands and knees praying away that they, they stop the count. A yeah. Of weird things going on. Um, you know, I know... No matter, I just want to put out there, no matter how much you want something to happen, that doesn't mean it's going to happen. Yeah. Yep. Take the L like an adult. Yep. No matter what happens. I don't know. I don't tell you. As yeah. long as things get done in a truthful manner, which may or may not happen, I... You know, I... Here's what I will say, right? Is, is I, you know, it's not really a secret we've talked about you know i i'm i'm i I wanted biden and the reason that i want biden is because i want like some normalcy restored to things Uh, i i miss when you could like watch the news and be like oh okay yeah you know and uh, like the last couple years it's been watching the news and being like oh fuck Mm. oh shit you know what i mean like real scary uh and i just want something to be like more standard Mm -hmm. you know um, so it was like not a vote for Biden so much as a vote against Trump. And I don't like, there's something that's happened to like our society that I don't feel like is terribly good for it. Mm. Um, however, recount the votes. Yes. Do it. You know, yeah. recount it, you know, make sure my suggestion, right. Is you have, you pair up a diehard liberal with a diehard conservative. That's my suggestion. Oh, I don't... No, that's what you do. that's a good idea. <laughs> no, that's what you do. Seriously, think it, because the liberal will go, this one says Biden, and then hand it to the conservative, and the conservative would be like, no, it says Trump. But it's like, no, no, no. And then you have somebody else that's like... Like, Joe Jorgensen isn't doing anything. So you could have her go around all the tables and settle disputes and double check and be like, that does say, that does say Biden. No, you she's going to be like, that says George Jorgensen. Yeah. <laughs> uh, man, this recount went really well for Joe Jorgensen. Yeah. Like, <laughs> she's in. She just yeah. like hits like all fucking, all the states in a matter of a week. Yeah. She counts all she's of them. Swept. She swept. Yeah. She swept. The most votes in history. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, I feel like that's the way to do it because that's the only way that you can really prevent voter fraud. You know, like, I want people... Oops. Might be all right. Yeah, we're still going yet. Might have had a little audio disruption there. But I feel like that's the only reason... That's the only way to, um... You know what else you can do? Hang on, pause it. There we go. Um, yeah, so I feel like that's the only way to really, um... You know, to, to be sure, you know? Well, they got multiple people counting votes, right? Well, it seems like you have a vote counter, and it's like, you know, who knows what their political leanings are. Then you have somebody that's standing socially distanced away from them. Six feet. Right? So that... See, it's like, that's why Corona is a hoax. That's why COVID-19 is a hoax, because what they wanted was they were going to seed all the vote counters were going to be, you know, secretly, you know, Democrats, liberals, right? And then it's like, well, you have to be six feet away. And when you're looking at small print like that from six feet away, you can't tell. 
So it's like this is like the COVID-19 is a conspiracy mm-hmm. in order to get Biden into the White House. It's crafted by the liberal, the liberal elite to cripple our economy, get us one step closer to a one world government, and to ensure that Joe Biden becomes the 46th president of the United States. And all the other countries did the same sacrifice for us, for the United States of America. Well, Trump don't have a lot of friends. Yeah. It's hard to have friends when you're just so much better than everybody else, you make them feel inadequate. Mm. And I feel like he must run into that a lot. Makes sense. He is a golden god. Trump's dead. Trump's dead. No, I don't know. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It, it's a, it's a pretty, pretty intense time, man. There's so much shit going on all at once. Yeah. You know how badly I just want things to just, just stop. Yeah. Just like freeze, freeze time. Yeah. And everyone can just like where like nothing progresses. Like, yes. At all. But we can just take time to de-stress. Just breathe, baby. It's all you need. You know, gather it. But nope, just, you know, time stops for no one, and here nope. we are. Yeah, it's it's definitely, definitely been a year. And I think back to the number of years that have gone by that were completely uneventful, that at the end of them I was like, well, that fucking sucked what a bunch of bullshit 2017 was. And it's like, I really should not have... Uh, Really shouldn't have complained about those years. Like, mm. what a fucking moron I was. What a mistake. Well, <laughs> so the lining yes. is that 2020 has creative perspective. That's true. So Hindsight is 2020. Yeah, it is indeed. Wow. And I do just want to say that everybody that's like, I can't wait till 2021. 2020 sucks. It's not going to change. No. Yeah, I mean, I think that there's something special about a new year where you do feel like, all right, like, it's a fresh start, you know? But uh, it's still, it's going to be, it's going to be rough for a while. Like, we're still in the midst of this. Yeah. You know, the, the, the changing of the years, the changing of the seasons, mm. the changing of the days. The idea of a fresh start can start whenever you want. Yeah. It's true. It doesn't need to be on a Monday. It doesn't need to be the first of the year. And the first of the year is not going to bring you luck. It's not no. going to just change. You know, COVID's not going to be like, well, I had a good year. Yep, so, I'm all set. No, no, you know, all the racists aren't going to be like, well, we had a good year, you know. It's, yeah. Like, it's still here. <laughs> yeah. It's still going to be yeah. here unless actual fucking change happens. Not just uh, a calendar year going by and yeah. I don't know. Well, that's why, like, I think... A lot of people, you know, I've talked about him before on the show, right? But, like, Jordan Peterson, I really like Jordan Peterson. I feel like he's super uh, misunderstood and and misrepresented with the things that he tries to say. And and I know that I've heard people be like, you know, your ideas of, like, one of the things that you'll hear him say a lot is, like, clean your room, you know, make your bed, you know, do these simple things things and a lot of people are like well that ain't gonna change the world you know like you know you're just putting out platitudes and blah 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 and all this shit and his response is always like look you can't go out into the world and you know criticize it with you know with 
any type of authority if your personal world is in shambles. You know what I mean? Like, you have to take care of yourself, and by taking care of yourself, you take care of the people around you because then they feel comfortable knowing that you are doing the work to better yourself, and that makes them want to better themselves. And then if that happens, then it's like, that's your house, and then your friends are also trending upwards, and then you guys are having an influence on your community, and then your community has an influence on your on your region, and then your state, and then your country, and then the world, and it's like, these things have a snowball effect. Mm-hmm. So, you know, cleaning your room, making your bed, taking care of yourself, you know, being polite, doing the small incremental things that you do, in wearing a mask, you know, doing the small incremental things that make society and the world safer is how you get big global change. Yeah, it all starts with the individual. Yeah, and I, I really think that that's true. And I definitely see the... I see the effect of people that are not... Like, it's like when a peaceful protest turns violent, right? Like, that's the effect of people that are not well trying to change the world. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like they are there there's something wrong in their thinking they're too angry they're not focusing their rage on on a correct problem they you know you can be mad about all the terrible shit that happens in the world but as soon as you pick up a rock and throw it through a window it's like well now you're part of the terrible shit that's happening in the world like slow down slow down like we all are upset but we have to we have to just, we have to do the small things that make the world better. Mm. And as soon as we start tipping into the negative, it, you know, it's just going to keep deteriorating. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it's tough, man, you know, with like the riots and like the violent protests and stuff. And, you know, it's, it's tough because, you know, there's been peaceful protesting going on for a long time. That's just, you know, when things are peaceful, it's easy to just shrug it off. It's like, well, you know, we don't have to listen and nothing's going to happen. Right. So people can only be peaceful for so long until it's like, what other option do we have to be heard? You know, I don't know. Create mm. some type of, I don't know. I'm not, it's, this is a really sensitive subject. It's a tough it one. I don't condone, just, you know, things going violent. I don't condone destruction of property, vandalism, all that other stuff. I don't think that it is right. But at the same time, you know, I uh, sometimes just drastic measures, you know, shit's got to get rough before it gets better. I don't know. It's, I feel like it's drawn more attention. I, Maybe people are starting to listen more yeah. now. I don't know. But on the contrary, people see that shit and they're like, well, look at these fucking idiots, you know? Yeah. And then they get angry. I don't know. I, I feel I like it defeats the purpose. The right way. My, my issue, sure. my issue is, you know, I feel like, like what I said, focusing your rage, right? Focusing your rage. So mm-hmm. like, there was a, a, I you know, and I'm not gonna like. It's it's. At the end of the day, some things are just things, right? But this this was a case of a, a black business owner that had built like a restaurant and it was his dream and everything, and people destroyed it mm-hmm. over protests for right. what happened to George Floyd. And that hurts. Mm-hmm. That doesn't feel that doesn't feel just, right? That feels like unfocused rage. Focused rage, which again, I'm okay with. 
focused rage. They burnt down a, the in Minneapolis. They burnt down the police station. That's kind of gangster. Like, yeah, you know, <laughs> like that's all right. Like, fine. Yeah. You know, yeah. I feel like they drew first blood. Mm-hmm. You know, and I know that not all those cops were bad, but also that's a statement. That's a statement. Mm-hmm. Like, you can right. only police your society so long as your society allows you to police them. Mm-hmm. If the society decides that you're fucking with them too much, this is what'll happen. It'll happen again and again and again, and there won't be a place to hide. Right. That's a perfectly reasonable thing to do. I kind of I kind of like that. I don't like <laughs> the idea that this black businessman that like worked so hard yeah, to right. create a life for himself had not his life taken away, because I had that corrected on me before, too. It's not his life that was taken away, but it definitely is his quality of life mm-hmm. that has been torn asunder, you know? And he did not do anything. Exactly. And that's sad. Yeah. A lot of people that haven't done anything, you know, suffer when shit like this happens. Yeah. So, you know, I, you know, I get what you're saying. You know, focus it on where the problem is. Not just go out there and just be like, well, you know... Fuck this CBS. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, again, it's like a whole, like... Well, it's even the... We the, can talk for hours on this subject. Because, yeah. like, like, you know, you're not going to get... We're not going to clearly convey our message or what we're trying to get out there in just, like, a 20-minute conversation. No, it's, it's too like, emotional, this. too. And it is. And it's, it's, you know, it's getting... Projecting the ideas and what we really feel and what we believe in. We could talk about it for hours, and then until we're like, okay, yeah, yeah, I get, I get what you're saying now, and this and that, this and that. You know, it's like you say one thing, and it's like, well, you know, what the fuck, dude? And it's like, well, I didn't mean it like that. And then, you know, yeah. Big conversation that snowballs and this and that, but you know, I just. Well, I mean, I, I, as always, I reserve the right to to misspeak. Mm-hmm. You know, exactly. I reserve the right to adjust my opinion based on incoming information. You know, which is what I do, um, and. A lot of people aren't receptive to people, you know. Changing like, their minds? Yeah. Yeah. Changing your minds yeah. or, like, allowing people, other people to change their minds. hmm You know? We all make mistakes. We all say stupid shit. We all do stupid things. It's like, you know, if we can't... If we... Look, we're trying to build a better world, right? Well, if we... If, if we are going to actually, you know, in earnest, try to do that, then there's only really two ways that the world gets better. You either kill the problem or you allow the problem to change. And I personally will always say we should try to be nonviolent. Mm-hmm. So allow the problem to change. Allow people to grow yeah. so that the world gets better. Uh, yeah, I don't think killing the problem, you no. know, that's just, this is gonna, it's going to create more problems. The, the, uh, ready? Ready? Here I go. The Batman thing. If you kill a murderer there's still a murderer in the world. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You've just taken his place. So it's that kind of thing. Like, an eye for an eye makes the whole world blind. Mm-hmm. You know? That whole thing. It's like, we have to just be willing to accept that, like... Like, Ebenezer Scrooge. You know what I mean? Shrewd businessman. Evil as fuck. You know? Can have one night where he probably did massive amounts of psilocybin. Mm-hmm. And then went on a journey through Christmas past, present, and future, and came out the other side being like, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna buy the biggest fucking turkey ever and give it to that asshole Bob Cratchit. Only he probably didn't call him an asshole. 
<laughs> he might have done it just he, out of habit. But. He was probably a bow tuner. He was like, wait, I'm a different person now. That man, yeah. Bob Cratchit. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I feel like that's something that we need to get back to, you know? Yeah, but, it, you know, it all, like you said, it all goes back to the individual. Like, how mm-hmm. much do you care about yourself and... You know, and this goes for both sides of everything. Because right. you got people that don't care for themselves. They just want everything. It's greed, greed, greed. And then other people suffer because of that. And then there's injustices and inequalities. And, mm-hmm. you know, and it's like, well, you know, and it makes it harder for people to be like, you know, feel like human. And when you treat people less than human, they start to act like less than human. It's, right. Dude, it's just, yeah, it's crazy. You know, and, um, you know, you talk about Jordan Peterson and like it all starts with just like cleaning your room, mm-hmm. you know. Not, it's obviously not as black and white as that. You know, it's not like, hey, no. if your room is messy, you're a piece of shit. But, you know, when you are more organized and you're taking care of yourself, like you said, right. you feel better, this and that. And, like, a, you know, it's Duncan Trussell talked a lot about this kind of thing on uh, a previous podcast. I've heard him on is, like, you know, there's times where he's gone through deep, deep depression. And he's mm-hmm. like, you know, and it's just, like, little things. Like, you're fucking driving. Coffee mugs rolling around in there. He's like, just fucking pick up the mug. Just start there. Yeah. Just start very little. Something yeah. like that. Just have to build momentum. Right. You know, and like, you know, you talk with, you see all the people, the powerful people, the people that are successful, that are happy. You know, they, they always start their days with a routine, mm-hmm. a routine to start the day on a high note there. That way, whatever happens from there on out, you know, shit might go south, but you've started the day with power right. and control and you're more likely to handle adversity stress anxiety throughout the day a lot better right yeah so yeah i don't know something to think about i don't know if you have a morning routine yourself there but i have one that i try to adhere to you know i don't have like a a strict morning routine i'm very patient with myself in the morning i'm very patient i'm like okay like i know that i'm gonna get up right most days i have to go to work so i know that i'm gonna have to go to work um, but usually like once the brain f- fog clears mm. in the early part of my day, that's when you start to see like the actual routine. And as I'm transitioning, because I am, you know, like I do a lot of work on this show. I do a lot of work on what's the story. I do a lot of personal work. Yeah, I have several art projects that are in process. I have several things that I'm writing. I got a lot of shit on my plate. Um, what will happen is as the day progresses, I start, like, pre-visualizing what I'm going to do later. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm going to do this, this, and this for that project tonight, you know? And then that makes it a lot easier when, like, when you finally get to be like, okay, I'm out of having to do what I need to do for the day. Now, I'm like, remember all that stuff you thought about doing earlier? Do it. Mm-hmm. You know? It makes it go by faster. So... I don't think my days start really structured. I'm very forgiving of myself in the morning because I just am not, you know, I, I it takes a while for me to like, you know, gear in, you know, really, really yeah. wake up. It, yeah, it's tough to get stuff going in the morning. I couldn't, I don't think I could do the Jocko Willink, like the, is, it's Jocko's that, that Marine. Yeah. He has the Instagram and like every morning he posts a picture of his wristwatch and it says like 4.30 and then he's like, let's get it. And then like, in an hour and a half or two hours later, 
he'll post a picture of where he was working out, and there's just a puddle of fucking mm-hmm. disgusting juices just bleh, right. that have just fallen out of this man. And, like, I don't think that... I'm not rolling out of bed and being like, I'm going to do 6,000 push-ups right now. Like, I'm not doing it. Sorry. No, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you, <laughs> you don't need to start it. that hard. Oh, but <laughs> if you're going to do it, I mean, you might as well try to best Jocko. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, if you're not trying to beat Jocko Willink or David Goggins, then, like, what is your life? Well, I don't want to beat those men. They're superhuman. They are superhuman. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's just routine in the morning. They so they recommend stuff like so uh, a quick ten minute meditation. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe like ten minutes of just like some type of movement, getting the blood mm-hmm. flowing, this and that. You know, getting good nutrients in your body in the morning. Yeah, that too. Um, <laughs> no, but no one, no one listening knew what I did. But no, again, but I, you know. It's <laughs> so like you know I. I've tried the 10 minute meditation mm. and uh, I don't know. It's just, it's something that I never felt made a difference. Yeah. For me. I don't know. It's just what I've started doing and what I has become a staple of my morning is um, I've been doing the, the Wim Hof breathing method. You have talked about I've that talked about a number before, of times and, and is I, you're still on it? Dude, I feel like it is like that's like the staple. If I get up, if I wake up late, I'm like, this is something that I absolutely need to do. If I don't get like my, you know, a little bit of movement in there, if I don't have time to like make like a good breakfast, I'm like, this is something that, you know, I'm not saying as like cure it all, like, the, you know, my issues or whatever, right. but I've been doing it pretty consistently. I do it in the morning and I, you know, I honestly think that if I haven't been, you know, we talked about my crazy week at work. I had a very unpleasant experience with a customer, whatever. They were being extremely abrasive. It's just, you know, it happens. And if that wasn't bad enough, then the next customer you went to see sicked a ghost on him. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that too. But, you know. She shouldn't have gone back to that house, man. Yeah. (laughs) The point is, high pressure situation, you know, high you know very tense situation or whatever but I just feel like doing this breathing method it really sets me up for the day you know I feel a lot less anxious I feel a lot more patient Mm -hmm. like I can take more punches than I'd be able to if I didn't do something like that and in the morning I've been trying to do like my cold showers in the morning too but again it's just all depends did you get a book with his method or are you just reading from online sources just go online you download his app his app's free he, he has, has an app yeah he has some free damn paid, he has some paid content on there but yeah. I mean you know the whole idea is that it's like so the reason I like it is because it has more of a physiolo- uh, physiological effect on me rather than you know as opposed to meditation you know but it, you know it's recommended mm-hmm. you know when you do his breathing method you know it really like centers you and then like yeah. you know meditate for a little bit after that yeah. I would need to get up earlier to fit everything in and I don't, but basically you do 30 deep deep breaths so you go in very deep and you release it's just like it's like a Do that 30 to 40 times, start to feel lightheaded, fingers start to tingle after a little while. That's normal, it's supposed to happen. If you know you get too crazy with it, there's a chance you can pass out. (laughs) Be careful, don't recommend doing it, you know, whatever. You don't want to make relax, but you know, on that 30th release, you release the breath and then you hold. You have retention time, 
for, you know, you're not trying to break records here on how long you're gonna hold your breath, but hold it for, you know, as long as you start to feel the need to breathe. And then you take in a big, big, big deep breath for 15 seconds, you hold it in, and then you release. I do three rounds of that every single morning. Three rounds? Three rounds. Wow. Just Google it. I'm telling you, man. And you know what? I've meant to bring this up before. Yeah, I was listening to a podcast with Wim Hof and Russell Brand, and we're going like, this off topic is going for a long, long while. <laughs> That's fine. Um, no, we're good. Yeah, we're good. Keep but going. Anyway, so he, he should, I don't know. Again, I've mentioned him before, but I never really looked into him, but this guy does like crazy, crazy superhuman things, right? And like, apparently, you know, in addition to just your overall mood increasing and, and being more centered and clear and focused, you know, it just, it builds your immune system up, it makes you stronger, and it's like, he just, the guy never gets sick, and he actually did a study with him, and I believe a bunch of other people who follow his methods too, you know, it's like the extreme that he does it. Um, but he has wing, willingly injected himself with E. coli, infected himself with E. coli, to oh. prove that the methods that he does um, just prevented that from, like, making him sick. Look into that. I didn't dive too, too deep into that. That's what he said. But just look into it. Don't be like, okay, well, I can do these, like, 30 breaths and then get a coli and be fine. No. But he also... He's Does like, it work on AIDS? He's like, listen. He's like, I've had... I don't know, man. Maybe. He said, he's, he's like, they're, you know, they're just... The people in charge are just refusing to, like, see his methods as, like, anything. Like, they won't test it or whatever. Well, Western medicine is very prejudiced to, yeah. like, anything that starts to skirt towards, right. like, Eastern you know well, eastern medicine it feels like an eastern medicine type thing mm -hmm. you know and he's like you know it alkalizes the blood he's like i have blood samples of my blood that i could give them and they could he's like if they wanted to they could test coronavirus on it but he's like you know he wanted to detail he's like you know inflammation in this place this place and this place you know that's what e coli did and that's the same place that coronavirus attacks and he's like you know maybe not in like the deep stages of coronavirus <clears throat> but if like you get it and right before you, you know, can't breathe anymore. Yeah. <laughs> like, he's like, I truly believe that this could stop it. It could help. Again, anybody listening, please look into this. Please do your research. This yeah. is, you know, something that he has talked about. And I think it's interesting enough to work, to, to look into. Yeah. This is like, this is the, like Disclaimer. the less dangerous version of like me being like carnivore worked for me. Yeah. You know, <laughs> like carnivore, it seems to have. What the repercussions of it will be further down the line. Mm. I suggest it if you want to try it. But, but yeah, your health is in your hands, folks. Really, really interesting stuff. <laughs> it's had enough of an effect on me where I'm like, I'm going to do this every single morning. I gotta, I, I gotta give it a shot. Yeah, I gotta I, try it out yeah. just to see. I'll get up a little bit earlier, I guess. That's the problem. Is like I, I get up early for work. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, getting up earlier scares me, but that's okay. I know. Well, it's nice because you get to just sit down and relax and you just do your three rounds of breathing. It takes 10, 12 minutes. Yeah. So Nice seated yeah. position for it. Yeah. You can seat. You, you can do it laying down. Really? Okay. Yeah. That's not bad. All right. So, yeah, I think we're, I'm good. Yeah, yeah, I'm good. You want to throw to commercial? Wow. So come back and I get to ask the best question in the fucking world, guys.
Hey guys, do you need a new bath mat? Or a shower curtain? Or maybe even a bedspread? And ideally, would you like those things to have our faces printed all over them? It's a rhetorical question. I know that the answer is yes. A resounding yes. Head over to ron-iii-art.redbubble.com so that you can start adorning your house with WT Fata merchandise today. What the fuck are we talking about, mummy? Oh, God. <laughs> I have very strong feelings about that little fucking kid. Just want to fucking punch him. Anyway, sorry, before I get way too out of context here, we're talking about the movie Vivarium. And if you've seen it, you know what I'm talking about. Yes. This awful little creature. I wouldn't even call it a kid. It's not Mm-mm. a kid. It's not human. No. But it is annoying as fuck. Yes. Yeah, 100%. Um, yeah, so Vivarium came out 2019. Mm-hmm. Now the movie I heard of, Ron, this week. I've had a crazy week. Ron was like, hey, do you want to do Vivarium? I'm like, sure. So let's do that. I looked into it. I'm like, oh, Jesse Eisenberg. I like Jesse Eisenberg. Mm-hmm. Um, cool. Let's do it. Mm-hmm. And I, I read the uh, description of what it's about. I'm like, this sounds really interesting. And interesting it was, indeed. Yeah, it, it's it's a weird one, right? Like, I watched it kind of on a lark I was just go like a lot of times during Halloween I'm just kind of sifting through trying to find new kind of like creepy thrillery things and what they said about what Vivarium was is like a young couple finds themselves trapped in like a suburban labyrinth that they cannot escape from and I was like okay yeah all right that sounds weird mm-hmm. so I went and watched it and uh I was kind of I don't know. It's just a, it's such a weird, high concept kind of thing. Like, it feels sort of like a like it reminded me of like the the Outer Limits or the Twilight Zone. Mm. Um, a little bit like Black Mirror, only it doesn't have like a technolo- technological bend to it, you know. Mm. And uh, just the fact that Jesse Eisenberg was in it, I, I do. Uh, you know, he he's one of those guys that kind of gets some hate, uh, and. I never really feel like it's justified. Um, I always think that he's he has an interesting way of playing the roles that he gets, and I think sometimes he gets typecast into sort of like the like you know like that smarmy kind of character. Like I think he did uh, the the social network network version of uh, Mark Zuckerberg. He did him so well that then that became kind of like a staple thing, like, oh, we're going to cast Jesse Eisenberg as Lex Luthor, and it's going to be Mark Zuckerberg with longer hair, mm-hmm. you know? And, like, it's st- it became, like, just part of him as a person. Um, and I really... I liked seeing him in a part that I just... I don't feel like I've ever seen it. Like, the idea of Jesse Eisenberg playing a handyman seems strange on paper, mm-hmm. but I didn't feel like it felt untrue. Yeah. And they introduce him and everything. You see him in a tool belt and the way that he's talking. And it's like, no, actually, no, it's fine. Like, I, I buy it. I didn't feel like it was weird. Did you? No, no. I thought I heard that he is kind of a dick in real life, though. No, like I, I think... Yeah, yeah, no, I think he is. Yeah, I think he is. 
I think he I, I think he wants you to come to the table with like something to say, you know. Yeah. I think sometimes if you don't have anything to say and he feels like the conversation is vapid, he checks out a little bit. Mm-hmm. Which is fine. Yeah. You know. Uh but yeah, no, I have seen him like in interviews and stuff kind of giving reporters a little bit of shit yeah. and it's like, "Whoa." It's, it's funny. Yeah. Uh but all right, overall, you know, this movie what do you think? You know, so I thought that all right, I, I already, I, I went to work having read the description. I was like, that's what I'm watching tonight. I went to work, and then I was, like, at work, and I was thinking about it, and I was like, vivarium, 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 vivarium. And I was trying to figure out, like, I was thinking about root words. So I was, like, living, and then it made me think of, like, aquarium or terrarium, yeah. right? And then I was like, oh, that's what it is. So, like, the idea of them being in an unescapable suburban labyrinth is basically, like, they're stuck in some type of, like, a bubble mm-hmm. or something where they're being, like, observed or kept like pets or something, right? Yes. So that, I already had that in my head. And then I sat down to watch the movie, and it opens on the baby birds. Yeah. Um, and you see them get pushed out of the nest. You see the mother bird, like, feeding a bird. And, uh... So then, uh, you know, then you're already, like, thinking about children and parents and, like, children feeding off of parents, you know? And I was like, all right. And then you kind of... that the, When the movie starts, it starts real quick. I mean, they introduce Imogene Poots as a teacher. Her name was, like, Gemma? Gemma? Gemma. Gemma? Gemma, yeah. So they introduce her... And, uh, she goes outside where a little girl is looking down at, like, the baby birds. And then the the baby birds that have fallen and died. And she kind of explains, like, you know, that's just how nature is. And she says that, like, a cuckoo, which is, like, basically, like, a bird that, like, goes in and, like, just tricks the mother bird into thinking that it's you know, their kid, like, like, feasts off of it, you know, like, so, like, she explains that and everything, the movie starts super fast, and we just get thrown into, like, we introduce Jesse Eisenberg, they go immediately to the real estate agent, then they go immediately to Yonder, which is the, the development, you know, um, the suburban development where the houses are and everything, and I thought that, like, that was... I thought that that was a strange move, and I think that, I think that in some ways, long story short, short, you're asking what I thought of the movie. I think that it's a great concept, and I feel like they rushed it, like they went really fast just to get you into the great concept. Like we don't want to lose them, you know, so we got to go quick. We got to put them in there now, and I didn't like that yeah. so much. I feel like that undermines the whole thing movie's definitely flawed. Mm-hmm. Definitely flawed. I thought, you know, cool concept, but you know, you think about the title and you want to see something that kind of like brings it back and ties into it and I feel like we never got that. Yeah. But, you know, you are very, very good at analyzing movies and seeing things that I don't, so I was very, in, you know, looking forward to talking to you about it and, you know, maybe you saw things that I didn't. So, let's do it. Yeah, I mean, I... Basically, you know, I, I we already 
with the with the bird imagery, right? We we're already kind of leaning towards we're gonna be dealing with the idea of like like children and parents, like I said, you know, the idea of offspring, right? And I I felt it reinforce when this real estate agent guy that they're looking at the house with is like, uh, do either of you have children? You know, do you have children? You know, and she's like, no, not yet. And the real estate guy was like, no, not yet. Like almost like mocking her voice mm-hmm. and just like takes off into the rest of the house. It was very like off-putting very and bizarre. And it's not long after that that he completely disappears, right? Um, so then that, like the first experience where you're like, okay, something's wrong. I mean, you, you should probably already feel like something's wrong when they arrive in yonder because you see that every single house is the exact same house, like yeah. just a car, like photocopy, just bam, bam, bam. Well, even before that, when they were in the office with them, he yeah. was being really creepy. Yeah. And I, I don't, something was off. I don't know why she wants to like she's all up to go look at the houses jesse eisenberg was like nope yeah i'm good unfortunately we can't and yeah. she was like no let's go Shit, let's just take a look at it yeah yeah look i i thought there was a funny detail too all the houses that are on display the model houses mm-hmm. that are in the real estate office are all the same houses too yeah like you would think you would only build one model per type of house that you offer mm-hmm. But they just have like fucking sixteen of the exact same house, you know. <laughs> so you get to yonder and you're like, this looks exactly like the real estate office. Yeah. There's yeah. no false advertising here. And it's and it's a weird place too, because you know when they get there, and he he opens up the fridge and he offers like the wine and the strawberries, and she's like, no thanks, I'm driving. And he's like, how about a strawberry? And Tom's like, no thanks, I'm driving. Yeah. Or, I thought that was pretty funny. Yeah, that was a good uh, line. But you know that moment there leads to another part in a little bit further down the road in the movie so like you know we'll get to that talk about that little strange detail there yeah anyway um you know yeah, he said he disappears and they go outside and his car is just gone yeah he's gone he's gone completely, completely gone and they're like well it's time to get the fuck out of here then yep and they get in and uh Gemma starts driving and they're going, they're going, they're going, and they're like, and Tom right away is like, no, he's like, are you sure it's this way? And she's like, yeah, this is where we came in. And they drive around, drive around, they keep seeing the same house, number nine. That's number the one nine. they looked at, and no matter where they go, this and that, and Tom's like, do you need me to drive? And, you know, and eventually he gets so frustrated, we'll stop, and he's like, gets up, he's like, let me drive, let me do it. You know, yeah. Something's, you know, not doing something right, and she like mocks him a little bit, and she's like, are you serious right now? Like, yeah. Fuck, dude. Are you like, five? Yeah. Right? <laughs> Typical Jesse Eisenberg typecast, you know, he's just he's yeah. condescending, whatever. Yeah. He gets in, he can't fucking figure out it either. And in fact, not only does he not figure out how to get out, he just drives it until it loses gas completely. Yep. Runs out of gas completely. Like he That was notice. a cool moment. I, I really like that, like as a logical conclusion of you know, like what would you do? You know, you're stuck you you're in suburbia you're like well we have a car so let's drive and i like the the logical conclusion it's like you wouldn't stop driving you would be like we're gonna get out of here right like we have to get out of here until you run out of gas you know (laughs) it's such a scary thing to realize like how big is this place like Mm -hmm. we drove in for five minutes and we cannot get out Mm -hmm. you know thought that was cool and guess where they run out of gas right in front of house number nine 
I was curious about that too. Like, are there any other house numbers? I don't think so. I was looking. I didn't see any. I, I feel like... That's another thing that really confused me because it seemed like this was centralized all around them. Yeah. In a place where there is hundreds of homes as far as the eye could see. Right. They're the only ones in this reality. Yeah. And we'll get to that. Yeah. Yeah. There's some weird stuff going on and I, I do... I have theories... One of them ties back to the actual, like, definition of vivarium. That's yeah. actually, like, a word. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Rules are a bit different. Time doesn't act the same way here mm-hmm. in this place over yonder. Over yonder. Over yonder, um, yeah. So then, you know, it's like, well, we're not driving anymore. She drinks the wine. Jesse, <laughs> Tom eats strawberry. And they don't taste anything. No. And I was like, holy shit, they have COVID-19. Yeah, what a twist. Yeah, I, know, right? <laughs> I was like, fuck, dude, this is like the incubation area of COVID. Yeah, like, this is how it started. Like, this is how, this is what Vivarium is. They're like, we have this new disease. Before yeah. we send it to the public, we're going to test it on these people. We just want to see what happens. Yeah. <laughs> come in, they release COVID into the air, into yep. the home, and then all of a sudden you're just, they don't know where they're going. They're confused. Yeah. They're They've confused. lost their sense of taste. Lost their sense of taste. <laughs> Um, yeah. A whole uh, the mess. Yeah, it's interesting. <laughs> They've clearly revived, you know, did some revisions to the COVID disease. Yeah. Because, you know, I, we know where we are. People get COVID. I don't think they get that lost. No, not they, not really. Yeah, not really. They definitely lose taste. Yeah. But. But. This is how it started. Yes. 100%. Um, yeah. Wait, wait. I thought it was before that, though. What? Didn't they send Borat over from Kazakhstan to release COVID? Yeah, but where they designed it was the vivarium. Oh, yeah, yeah. went from there to there. The, yeah, they okay. designed it there, and then after they refined it, they gave it to Borat. And the whole Randy Marsh thing is actually, it's not uh, accurate at all. At all. Well, maybe, hmm? now maybe it was. Maybe it started there. Right. And then they did their revisions with it. They were like, all right, this is too much right now. And then they're like... They start doing different formulas with it. Start Could doing be different strands. Okay. And that's where they test there. And right. Give it to Borat. Boom. So it goes from South Park, Vivarium, Borat, United States, and we're all fucked. That's yeah. Or so, I, no, they were in the UK, right? I think. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe that's one of the test places. They were in the UK. Gets tested there. I don't know. And then it just gets. Yeah. Borat gets it us, but I don't know. He's just all over the place. Let's give it to everyone. Yeah. That's at least he wore a mask. He just wore it wrong. Yeah. He had it kind of like a like a G-string mm. banana hammocky thing. Just fine. Don't know if it helps. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure it feels nice. Yeah. It has to. Um, Bringing it back. Yeah. <laughs> what, what, what happened? Um, yeah. So that was a, that was an odd an odd little detail. The idea that like the food doesn't taste like anything, mm. and I feel like does that carry through the rest of the time too? Like I don't there think is no so. flavor to anything. I think it was just there with the purpose of being like something's weird. Here. Yeah, some and, strangeness. Like, we already knew that, so I didn't see that was like a small detail they needed to add in there. Yeah. I have no idea. They they wind up eating and drinking the wine. They yeah, was it after that first? Yeah, yeah, it was after the first, after they run out of gas, right? Yes, That's the yeah, first time that they do that. Yeah. The next day, they they have a ladder. I don't know if it was Tom's ladder. 
if it was like on with them in the car somehow mm. or if it was something that he found but for whatever reason they have a ladder and he's able to like put it up on the side of the house and he climbs up to look over the rooftops to try to get like his bearings and when he looks out there is nothing to see except the houses just forever and the sky and all of these like perfect strange cookie cutter clouds yep. like you know how clouds sometimes and they actually get to this later but like the idea of like clouds you look up and you see them and you go oh that looks like a this mm-hmm. or that looks like a that all the clouds in yonder look like clouds they don't look like fucking anything except clouds mm-hmm. you know what i mean and it's so unnerving like i found the clouds to be one of the creepiest visuals because they're like so perfectly spaced yes. out and they're so like perfectly structured mm-hmm. clouds and it was really creepy like they like the set design was fucking spooky and it was it shouldn't have been it was just houses and clean streets mm-hmm. and perfect little clouds and there was just something about it that was just so fucking shockingly abnormal that it like made my skin crawl. Yeah. You know, like it was so disturbing to me. It's amazing how like <clears throat> all of these things are ordinary things, right? An ordinary house on an ordinary street with an ordinary sky and ordinary clouds. When you put them all together, when you stack ordinary on top of ordinary like that, the effect is so chilling. It's so weird to me. It's unnerving. It really is. (laughs) I don't know why. It's like, I don't think that we're designed for that type of perfection. It's like why we want to go back to nature so much. Why, like, if you live a life in a small apartment and then you drive to work and what amounts to essentially like a square container and then you sit in a cubicle and then you get back in your square container to go back to your square house and lay down in your square bed eventually you'll lose your fucking mind you know what i mean like we need things to be different you know and i i think that the the sense of sameness throughout the set design like everything being structured and like every block is like there's seven houses this way and then you go across the street and there's seven houses and then seven houses this way and seven houses like it never it never fucking ends Mm -hmm. you know and that that was really such an interesting thing to see i don't feel like a lot of um i don't feel like i've seen a lot of movies really express um that type of fear you know Normally it's the everything is same, 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 and then there's that one strange thing out of place, and that one strange thing becomes the source of the terror. But this is like they're like for quite a while in the opening parts of their yonder experience, there really isn't anything strange at all except how much normal there is. Mm-hmm. You know? It's an interesting approach. And then I think this is where they're like, you know what? Let's travel on foot. Yeah, Jesse Eisenberg. When he looks out over the houses, he's like, "Here's what we're gonna do." He's like, "We're gonna get out of out of here." Talking to her, she can't see what he sees, Mm -hmm. but I think he knows that we're fucked. Like we're in a lot of trouble right Mm -hmm. now. But he's like, "We're gonna get out of here. We're just gonna walk in a straight line. We'll follow the sun. We'll jump over fences, and we'll just keep going straight with the sun. As long as we do that." 
we have to get out, right? And that's what they try to do, and they walk all fucking day, and eventually they hop over a fence, like right at the end of the, right as the sun is about to set, they hop over a fence and there's a, a house that has a light on, they go, oh shit, hello, hello, we need help, we need help, we don't know where we are, and then they get in the house, and uh, it is number nine. It is their house. Where the wine, fucking wine. There's the strawberries. <laughs> yeah. And they're like, what the fuck? And then this is where they go outside and they see that box. Right? Jesse Eisenberg does the smartest thing. It's a very intelligent move. He takes a piece of cardboard. Is it from the box, though? I How think d- so. I think he does this after. No. Yeah, yeah. Does he do it after? Yes, I'm okay. pretty sure. Yes, it's after. Cause so they go outside and what do they... F- they find the box. No, they, they find the box after the house. They find that box and there's food and stuff in there. Oh. There's food, there's all these supplies. Like Thank you. Dropped it off for them. You got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, uh, yeah, so they find all this food. It looks like there's like a rack of lamb in there. Honestly, it looks like a great time, dude. Yeah. If someone could just deliver a rack of lamb and also the stuff that I need in my house, I wouldn't have to leave. I'd be, I'd be pumped. I'm like, this is great. But then again, they can't taste it, so it's like, what the fuck? Today's episode is brought to you by ButcherBox. Yeah. ButcherBox delivers meat right to your house, and it does taste like stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> right, so they... And then, yeah, I think this is where... They go in and maybe it's like a couple days that they kind of live and then eventually he's like, or is it, how much time goes by? I don't remember. I feel like, I thought he did it almost immediately. Like he gets the, um, I, I thought it happened really, it happened immediately. I'm, I'm almost positive. Yeah. They find the food. He winds up taking a piece of the cardboard mm. and he goes into the house and then he lights the cardboard on fire and then walks around and just starts lighting the house on fire. Like, the drapes, the this, mm-hmm. the that, everything. And then he goes back outside, and she sees what he's done, which is the smartest thing that you can do. Burn the house down. Then, presumably, firefighters would show up to put out the flames, right? Or the people that run this community would, would be, be like, like yeah, what, what the, the fuck, fuck are you doing? Yeah. yeah. So, and, worst case scenario... The house burns, right? And now you have a pillar of smoke in the sky that you can be like, okay, that's not the direction we need to go, right? Mm -hmm. Like, because we keep getting turned around. So now we have something constantly in the sky. But instead of, you know, they they basically, like, sit down on the curb and they pass out, right? And when they wake up, there's still the, the box, right? The box is back. Yep. The house is fixed, right? And on the box, there's, uh, what does it say? Like, raise him? So, yeah, they open up the box, and they find a child. Yeah, like an infant. Yeah, an infant. And on the box, it says, raise him, and you will be released, or something something along those lines. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Raise the child and be released, I think is what it said. Right. And immediately, I'm like, put the baby back in the box and close it. The problem is, though, is that you could do it that way, but Wayfair doesn't accept returns. Yeah. Well, Wayfarers can come back and get their baby if they fucking care for it. <laughs> See, that was my mentality. It was like, they're giving us this child, nobody's coming, some weird stuff's going on. Yeah. Clearly, this means something to them. I'm putting it back in the fucking box, and if you don't want the thing to fucking die, come get it. 
You heard it here. John will kill a baby. Just I will. Outright. Don't fuck with me like you fuck with those people, dude. I will murder that fucking baby. <laughs> I will fucking murder it. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. If you put, if you put John in a, in a cul-de-sac with a baby, watch out. <laughs> <laughs> they were in a cul-de-sac, man. They were in, they were in a labyrinth of cookie-cutter community they couldn't get out of. And they were just stuck there. No one was coming to save them. No. They burned down the house. Well, I'm like, you know what? Boom. Burn down the baby. You know, I. You know, that was my initial thought. Clearly, if I found a fucking baby in there, I'd be like, all right, well, we got to take care of this thing now. But my first initial thought was like, just put it back. You know, it's not your fucking baby. They're just they're, they're fucking with you. They're testing you. Don't play by their rules. Don't play their game. So you keep playing their game, they're going to win. So, whatever. They take the baby. And then just, like, the string of events that happened after that just reinforced my initial thought of, like, just putting the baby back in the box. <laughs> Very intense, man. You got some strong feelings about this. I think I probably would have taken care of the baby. To be honest, if I was going to... If push came to shove, I think yes. I probably wouldn't have murdered an infant. No, no neither would I. <laughs> I would take care of the baby, but just, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty. And then, I think, so the next time you see this fucking kid, right, it's like grown. Yeah, and it was only, they I had the, face, they right? had the, uh, they had a little chart, like the height chart. Yeah. And you could see that it was like 30 days, yeah. and then it was like 40 days, and like, like two or three inches, and then it was like 50 days, and it was like another inch, and like... He was growing, like, at sporadic rates, but he was growing fast. He went from infant to basically what would be approximately, like, a six- or seven-year-old kid in about 30 days. Well, I love the way they introduce him back. So, like, he just walks into the room, and he's just, like, immediately, I'm like, that's that fucking guy they they met. 100%. He's dressed like him. He looks like him. He doesn't, you know, it's fucking weird. Right? And they, they, uh, Tom and Gemma wake up, and they see him standing at the end, and then... They just flip him off. Yeah. And then he, then they both just flip him off, and he flips them off back, you know, gives yep. him the middle finger, and then he has this, like, weird exchange where I thought there was two of them for a second. Yeah. He's, like, mimicking an argument between Gemma and Tom that they had, right? Yeah. And he was, like, doing it with himself, and I'm like, well, clearly they fucking hate this thing. Yeah. And, you know, whatever happened in the last month and a half, this kid grew up, uh... Yeah, and they they get up, and it's just like they're in a routine. The kid wants to eat, and he just screams at the top of his lungs until they put the perfect amount of cereal in, the perfect amount of milk, and then the second they put that spoon in there, boom, he stops and he's happy. Yeah. Yeah, really weird. And immediately I'm like, you should have put the baby back in the box, but that's just me. All right, let's just keep going. Let's see how this fucking plays out. I'm suspicious that this infant might be a pain in the ass later on, so I'm going to kill it now. Yeah. <laughs> I like your logic. It's real cutthroat, but I can get behind it. Well, you know what? They just delayed the inevitable. So we'll get there, all right? We'll get there. Um, yeah, what did you think about the... Uh, there's like a voice effect that they put on that kid. What did so you think weird. of that? I don't know. I don't know what to make of it. It didn't exactly sound like that guy's voice, but it sounded like a different... You know, if you like, you speak into one of those voice-changing like, microphones right, or something, right, right, that's yeah, what it yeah. sounded like. Yeah, I felt like it was like very off-putting and very strange, and I felt like it was unnecessary. Yeah. 
until, uh, eventually, like, later on, she's gonna find a book, and she's not gonna be able to understand any of the writing in the book, Gemma, but the, uh, but there are diagrams of something, and when you see what that something is, you're like, oh... And then it makes sense why the voice is the way it is. So at first, I really didn't like it. And then later on, it felt like world-building, you know? Mm. Um, so yeah, they're they're kind of having a go at it. They're kind of playing the game. Like, okay, we'll raise this fucking thing. Thankfully, it seems like it's growing fast. Mm. So that's good, yeah. you know? They raise um, it with the idea that they do that, they do their job, or whatever they was instructed for them to do, and then they can go free. Right, right. Which... That's how it. That's how it reads, you know. Be released. Um, I don't know when it gets introduced as a concept, but eventually Tom starts thinking that <clears throat> we've tried going east, west, north, south. We can't go up because gravity, mm-hmm. right? But could we go down, right? Yeah, they have this interesting scene where like they go um they have breakfast they go outside tom grabs the pickaxe he sits down Gemma sits down the kids out there with them and they're like looking at that box and they're like Gemma's like i don't know why we continue to do this they never come when we sit here and wait for him like they're waiting to like murder them basically right right understand yeah you know they go on this big rant and then she's like coffee and he's like yes i would love some she goes inside it looks like he sneaks a cigarette I don't think she likes cigarettes. I know those early when they were driving around and he smoked a cigarette in her car. She's yep. like, don't fucking do that in my car. Whatever. She's it's like, I opened a window, okay? I'm stressed. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect Jesse Eisenberg that was impression. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he throws a cigarette in the ground and like, it like immediately the grass, just like a patch of grass just, whoosh, just disappears. And he's like, right. oh, fuck. Yeah. And then he starts digging. Right. And like, you know, when you have same day over and over again you have nowhere to go you have no wi-fi you have no porn you don't have anything to occupy yourself it's like well let's fucking dig let's yeah. see if you know it's like it's got to go somewhere you have right? at least Gemma, who like they they you, you have that and they do have sex they do but yeah through a crack in the door they have that little fucking weirdo staring at them yes which was horrifying where they're just getting it on and that kid is just staring at them through a crack in the door I thought Weird. I thought he was gonna like do like a mimic or something there because you know how he kept like mocking them and stuff. I mm-hmm. I, I thought for sure that he was gonna be like, oh, <laughs> I was gonna be like, oh, I hate this fucking kid. Yeah. I hate him. <laughs> you know? But um, yeah, you know, point is you run out of ways to occupy yourself. Right. And, you know, you can have all the sex in the world mm-hmm. all day, and then like, you know. Eventually, like, I gotta do something else. I gotta find ways, you know, you need variety. Right. You gotta find ways to fucking occupy yourself. I liked the, the, I liked the way that that became, too, because I, I think, like, human beings need purpose, right? Exactly. So, that sort of becomes his purpose. And I dig. And I dig and dig and dig and I see what I find, you know? And, uh that again is one of those things that it's like that's a logical conclusion there's nothing else to do mm-hmm. you know um well when you start to pull out there's like this like yellow clay type substance in yeah. there I'm like what the fuck is this yeah it's strange yeah. you know what it reminded me of is um remember in Beetlejuice when they're, they're digging up the grave of Beetlejuice in mm-hmm. the uh in the model 
So they're, like, digging through, like, a rubbery grass, and then there's, like, corrugated cardboard that they have to dig through because it's a model. It's mm. not real dirt. That's what it reminded me of. Oh, kind of okay, had that, yeah. like, vibe mm-hmm. where it's like, this doesn't seem right. This doesn't seem at all, you know, mm-hmm. like reality. Um, so that was kind of cool, too. But anyways, like, while, while he's kind of doing that, he's drifting maybe a little bit further into insanity mm-hmm. than she is. Mm-hmm. She's staying kind of locked in step and actually kind of getting... And I know that there's some conspiracy theorists right now that think that I am hinting about Operation Lockstep because I said locked in step. And you're right. I am. It's real. And the one world government is coming. Prepare yourself. Anyways. um, So, while he's drifting further into insanity, she actually seems to be, like, developing a further bond with the kid. Which I thought was interesting. Which is weird because... There's multiple scenes where he calls her mother, and she, like, very sternly goes, I'm not your mother. Yes. And more often than not, when she says that, she goes, I'm not your fucking mother. Yeah, I... You know, that's used in this movie as, like, a, uh... It's something that's just, like, she says it over and over and over again. But whenever I hear that line, I go back to Vera Farmiga in Orphan. That's the best version of that line ever. Did you ever see that movie? I don't think so. Oh, we got to talk about Orphan. We we, we got to talk about Orphan. Let's do that next week. Another movie about children and parents. Okay. More babies that I want to kill. No. <laughs> <laughs> Jokes. Uh, Jokes. Yeah, we're gonna we, we're we're gonna talk about Orphan next week. That's what that's what's that's what's up. Um. So yeah, I won't I won't continue any further down that way to, that that train of thought, but. Um, but yeah, it's interesting, you know, like, it, it almost feels like it's wearing her down or something. Yeah. And she's like, well, you know, I guess I'm here, you know, might as well try to be a mom. Mm-hmm. But that being said, like, this is a very, very challenging child. This is not, he is not normal by any stretch of the imagination. And I think that there are these moments where it's like, this thing is so, <clears throat> like, it has no social graces. You know what I mean? It doesn't understand anything doesn't understand when it's like inflicting pain it just kind of exists and does its thing um and yeah i don't know i i I, you feel for her you feel for her because you think that she is genuinely trying to take care of it but also it's like every conversation with this little fucker is a knife fight you know (laughs) what i mean like it is brutal to watch um yeah, just the way that it, like, mimics and mocks her, you know, and then the fucking screaming nonstop. That was, that was upsetting as all hell. This one moment where he's just screaming and she's like, I, we fed you, we've done everything, dude. It's like, you know, when you have, like, the Furby, and the Furby's just, like, making all these noises and, like, what the fuck do you want, dude? I (laughs) fed you, I've done all this other shit, why are you still doing that? Yeah. But the, he's just screaming and she's just like, what was it? She like shakes him. You know, just like, he just gets yeah. pissed off at him. Yeah. And. She goes back and forth between, yeah. like, they're living, like, an idyllic little life together, you know, where it's, like, just a mom and her kid, you know, and everything's fine. And then 
she has these moments where it's like it's so intense, it's so over the top. She just wants her life to be back to normal, but she has this responsibility that's been thrust upon her. And she, like, she gets very near to, like, a big break in those moments. Mm -hmm. Tom eventually full-on goes that way, right? Like, Tom Tom eventually is, like, here's what we're going to do. He winds up, like, grabbing the kid, brings him outside, um, throws him in the car, locks him in, right? Before that, though, I think there's a couple of important scenes. So there's a scene where Gemma's sitting out in the car at night and Tom finds her. Right. And he goes out and he sits with her. And <clears throat> they kind of go back to that that taste and smell thing. And it's like, it smells good in here. You know, it smells normal. She's mm-hmm. like, yeah, I, I sit in here and I pretend that I'm home. And it seems like their car is like the only thing left of normalcy that they have. And like, it, it's like almost like they're in a back into their own little world when they're in there like they right. like smell things and, and whatever and I I think that's the scene where does the radio kick on right there yeah they find out that they still have battery yeah. <clears throat> left in the car and the radio kicks on and you know they're static there's music they open the doors they get out they start dancing that's right yeah Tom, yeah Tom uh, not Tom sorry that little kid he comes out and he's like kind of watching them dance and you kind of see what's going through his head and then he starts to dance too and it's kind of cute and like maybe this kid doesn't suck as much as you know we all thought he did they're all dancing together right. and then he just bumps into Tom knocks him down I thought Tom Tom smashes his head off the curb not as bad as I thought it was going to be but he gets up and kind of like just shoves the kid yeah he like picked him up and fucking yeah. like slammed him into yeah, the fucking into the pavement, pavement and walks away and she's like what the fuck are you doing yeah yeah yeah, yeah. You know, Everybody's fine, though, but I feel like, you know, leading that, something like that happened, leading up to Tom's decision to, like, finally just grab the kid. <sighs> yeah. 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 You were getting back to. So. But that, 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 uh, that scene, I always, like, that, that scene was painful, though. <laughs> yeah, I forgot about that one, but, uh-huh. like, just him losing his patience and, like, doing that and, like, you know, Look, she knows that shit isn't normal, mm-hmm. right? Like she she knows that shit's not normal. She knows that this kid is weird and yeah. that there's something off. That he talks weird. He sounds like he has two people in him. You know what I mean? Like he, he like she knows it. But I still feel like she like just sides with the kid. Like I'm like, dude. Yeah. Je- like Jesse Eisenberg is like finally losing his temper and doing what's necessary you know what i mean and you're like what the fuck are you doing you evil bastard and it's like it's not real it's not real you know know there's multiple times where he you know she's like the kid and he just she's like no that is it it's a thing it's not real see it as a child yeah for a majority of this movie yeah so he winds up eventually taking the kid and like he puts him in the car and kind of is supposed to be trapping him in there and basically lays it out for her. He's like, we're going to starve the kid. We're going to kill the kid if we have to. You know, and if they really give a shit, they'll show up. Which is you know. exactly what the fuck I said the second they pulled that thing out of the box. Put it back in. If they really give a fuck, they'll come back. Yeah. I'm like, yes. That's what I said. We could have avoided this whole ordeal if you just left the kid in the box. How does that, how does that get reversed? What happens? What? Because he doesn't stay in the car for too long, right? No. Eventually, um, she she intervenes. I think so. Because when they go back into the house, he like 
Tom gets kind of violent with her. And mm. just like, boom. He, like, they fall on the ground. Or he shoves yeah. her back. And he has her by both wrists. And he has her pinned down. And he's just losing. He's like, fuck that kid. Fuck that kid. Blah, blah, blah. And she's like, yo. Like, get off of me. And he just kind of realizes, like, oh, fuck. This, you know. What are you in doing? In my rage, this is what I'm doing. And he's like, I'm sorry, but we got to fuck me something about that kid. And it's like, damn, bro. I was like, I was on your team. Stepped out of line there, like kill that fucking kid, great, but you know, chill out a little bit in that aspect. Yeah, Jesse Eisenberg. Uh, th- again, I really liked seeing like a different shade of Jesse Eisenberg mm-hmm. in this movie because I think he does. He like faces typecasting pretty, pretty hard. Probably like on one of the harder, the harder scales of people being typecast right now, mm-hmm. and I think. I think seeing him cast as the intellectual so often, seeing him cast as somebody that's not, you know, physically scary so often, like, there's a lot of things that you don't really get to see Jesse Eisenberg do, and there was something about, there's something about, like, the clash of, like, the visual of Jesse Eisenberg with, like, what he was performing, and I liked that dissonance, I like. I liked that moment because I had never seen Jesse Eisenberg play like this fucking you know masculine rage. I'd never really seen that from him. I thought it was weird. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was very different. But uh, yeah, that was a good scene. And Imogene Prutz is great because she's just like, you know, you're obviously going to be like scared in that moment, but she also just seems so confused. Like she's just looking at him like, dude, what are you doing? Yeah. You know, where is this coming from? Because mm-hmm. it's unusual for everything that she knows of Tom yeah. up until that point. Um, yeah, that was, a, that was cool. But that was a good scene. They start to grow apart. There's a scene where they're in the bed. They start to kiss like things are going to get hot and heavy. And then Tom is just like, I'm sorry. And then just rolls over. And it's like, damn, like their relationship is going down. Like everything is mm. just, you know, falling apart. Everything's falling apart. Yeah. And yeah, I, <clears throat> I think she goes and opens up the door for that kid and brings him back in. Yeah, I think she does. I think that's what it was. It was yeah. quiet. It was very quiet. It was, it was not a, uh, not showy. It just goes back to the way it was. Oh, yeah, I remember now, because she opens it up, and she's like, hey, he's not going to hurt you. Oh, mm-hmm. good. And he was like, kind of like, you know, and then just bring him out. And, yeah. You know, I think from there, he, um, that's when he kind of grows into, like, a younger man. Is that what they jump to? Before that, we have a couple of scenes where this kid, I think this kid keeps getting up and watching the TV oh, at night. yeah, 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 I forgot about that. There's some weird fucking, like, uh, like... Zany imagery, yeah, like yeah. black and white, more mazes, but not like the not the way the suburb is set up, where it's mm-hmm. like the strict grid. Almost it's like, like, it like these, a, like a training or something. Yeah, that he's downloading. They try to turn the TV off, and like the kid, like will not have it. Mm-hmm. You know, TV stays on, and he keeps getting this imagery. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, Tom is still digging. You know, like, like I don't remember the exact order of events, but, like, Tom will be digging and digging and digging, and he's... Eventually, you're looking at a hole that's, like, 30, 40, 50 feet yeah. deep. Like, it's wild. To get out. Right, yeah. yeah. Um, 
And yeah, at some point here, there's a transition to the kid being a young man. Um, and during this period of time is where you start to see Jesse Eisenberg's, like... He starts getting, like, kind of sick, right? Like They both do. Like, their eyes, like, they have bags under them. The, right. the round is all red around their eyes. Yeah. Like they've just been deteriorating. Yeah. And Jesse Eisenberg in the digging of this hole is going to eventually find something mm. which is appears to be a body yeah yeah down there mm-hmm. which is fucked it's like what the hell is this place what are we doing here yeah. you know uh-huh. um as his sickness his sickness is accelerating like faster than hers and they basically at a certain point kind of get they kind of, like, it felt like they got kind of locked out of the house, right? Yeah. Like, it the, sort of became the kid's house. Yeah, he locked them out, and they were, like, would bang on the door and be like, let me back in, and they right. put back in, and then, you know, they'll sit on the sidewalk, and <coughs> Tom looks, like, near death, and the thing walks out, and it's like, I think it's time for him to be released. Yeah, that was a great turn, because I remember the, the wording of that on the box, you're like, oh, I'll get out. But then when he says it, I was like, oh, fuck, like, they're going to kill him. Like, they're going to kill him. That's where, that's where, that's what that meant. He's going to get out in a body bag. Yeah. Which he brings back. That was so well acted by Imogene Poots when he, like, puts that on the ground and unfolds it. And she realizes what it is. Oh, my God. Her face, man. She really really killed the expression. Oh, she was, she was so like honest and raw in that moment you know fucking crazy because she's asking for help she's asking like hey we gotta do something about him he's really sick and he's like oh well maybe it's time for him to be released and then he leaves and like while he's gone they have like kind of their last moments you know they're like reminiscing about the way things were and how they met and all these different things and then he just kind of passes and I think that she still thinks that, like, there might be mm-hmm. some way to to course-correct this, you know? And uh, when she sees the body bag, I think that's, like, the point where it, like, fully settles yeah. in, like, oh, shit. And I thought that, like, they put him in the bag and they, like, vacuum seal it. They suck the air out. And then they pick him up. And they walk him over to the hole that he's been digging this entire time. And, and he just fucking drops him in mm-hmm. like a fucking sack of potatoes. Like the, the and like the way it happens, he like leaves the leaves the kid's arms and it's just dead silent for like one, two, and then thud, you know, because that's how deep the fucking hole is now. Mm-hmm. And like Ah oh, man, it was just so wretchedly brutal. Like it was so rough. Yeah, and the body he finds, you can see on the sides, it's like that same type of body bag. Yeah. So I'm like, I'm like, was that himself that he found? Is it going to be on some type of like a loop there? Mm. Like, what's going on? But then they're like, you know, the rest of the movie, I don't think that that's the case. But it is weird. Like, it does it like, you know, we'll we'll talk more about that. When, yeah. You know, get the next level. I, mean, I don't want to jump in too much, but. Um, yeah, so from there on out, she's just kind of like, she's had it. Yep. And she, she finds that book. Yeah. Was that before Tom had died? 
Yeah, actually, that was when the kid was still young. Still we young. didn't talk about that. We missed yeah. it. But I, I had mentioned that she finds a book, and the kid has a book, mm-hmm. and she takes it, and she looks at it. And she can't recognize the language that it's written in, but there are diagrams, and one of the diagrams shows, like, what appears to be, like, almost like a diagram of a kid, mm-hmm. and it has these huge, like, bubble things on its fucking throat. We didn't talk about that either, yeah. Which is fucking crazy. And when, like there's one night right before that time jump when he becomes a young man like yes. right before that there's one night where she really starts pressing him because he had disappeared for a little while and they didn't know where he went she had gone out actually searching for him and eventually you know when she saw him he had that book you know and she is asking him about like you know who did you see and like are there other people here blah 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 all this stuff and then he's being like really evasive about it and then I don't know what was the turning point in that conversation, but, like, yeah, he fucking she, shows what he is. She asks. She's like... Because you know how he's been, like, mimicking them, and he mimics a dog, and there's, like, the wolf, wolf right. a lot. Woof, woof. Well, she was like, well, can you, like, mimic for me? Who oh, met? yeah, And he's yeah. like, sure. And then he starts... Just his neck starts bulging. I'm like, did he meet a frog? Is that what it was? Yeah. <laughs> that was fucking like. crazy, Broke, dude. Out. She just gets horrified. Yeah. Like, what the fuck is this thing? Yeah. That that moment was really creepy, like in that visual of like these fucking like almost like a like a like a bladder or mm-hmm. something that's like filling up with air mm-hmm. in his throat. It was really strange, really creepy looking. Yeah. Um so yeah she's at this point you know Tom's gone and she's like I think she's making her last ditch attempt to get the fuck out of here and she winds up taking the pickaxe and waiting for it it appears like this young adult young man now has some type of job that he goes to every day right he don't know where he goes but he gets up and he leaves um so she has you know, she has the pickaxe, and she's, like, ready to go, and as he's leaving for work, she kind of, like, runs up behind him, and she takes a mad swipe at him, and she does hit him, she does hurt him, and he immediately, like, does, like, this hissing thing, yeah. and starts, like, crawling across the ground, yeah. he gets to the other side of the street, and he, like, lifts the fucking curb up, and, like, jumps, like, underneath the ground, mm-hmm. And she manages to get there before the curb drops, and she wedges the pickaxe, and then she follows. And when she, like, lands in this lower level, it kind of looks vaguely like the house, Mm -hmm. but it's all strange, you know, angles and stuff. And she sees at the end of the hallway, there's the guy, and he, like, kind of hisses at her and then goes through the door. And that sends her on this, like, wild fucking journey where she's going through all of these different realities that are all like they're all like like all colored different like some of them yeah. are blue some of them are red some of them are green where she's seeing other people in the same situation that they're in right she finds a woman crying at the table and it seems like they notice each other yes and I'm like well what's gonna come of this and then she just like sinks through the floor into another one yep she's on the floor she sees another couple and they're just like getting it on and she sees yeah. that creepy kid watching just from, staring yeah and he's clapping yeah that was crazy She's oh. just one guy killed himself. Yep, one right. Of friends, one guy that just killed himself, and very odd. Like the filters change colors. Like that's all like distorted a bit there. Yeah. And 
Yeah, I didn't know what to make of that scene. Yeah, and she eventually gets spit right back out into where she started, right? Yes. She falls down the stairs of her own number nine. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're pretty much at the at the end, right? What happened? She winds up. Her the the kid winds up packaging her. Yeah. In the body bag, right? Yeah, yeah. She's laying down. She's just about to pass as well, and you know they kind of like have a conversation and he calls her mother and he goes to zip it up and she like says something and he like zips it back and he's like what and then one final time she says I'm not your fucking mother yeah. and he's like whatever and just yep yeah whatever that was like another mimic right something that mm-hmm. they had said to him yeah. something that they he had heard them say to each other mm-hmm. yeah and then he tosses her down there too and starts to fill the hole yeah. And then as soon as he fills a hole, the grass immediately just comes back and yep. it's gone. Start over. He um, takes their car, right? Yeah. He, he gets gasoline. A, gets a thing of gas, takes their car. Drives out of yonder. Uh-huh. Goes back to the real estate office where the real estate agent from the beginning is sitting in the chair and he looks fucking wretchedly old. Like mm-hmm. he's aged about 50 years. And he's like gasping his last breaths and the dude like the kid the grown up kid is looking down at him then the guy passes and he fucking just drags him out of his chair he opens up a filing cabinet takes out a body bag puts the real estate agent in the body bag then fucking rolls it up into a tight bundle when you Mm -hmm. can hear the real estate agent's body like cracking and snapping as he gets rolled into like this rough you know this rough shape like like a rolled up sleeping bag you know and then he takes that he puts it back in the filing cabinet, closes it, sits down, and then another couple comes into the real estate office, yeah. and then the movie ends. Did you say the passing of the name tag? Oh, yeah, the passing of the name tag. Yeah, he takes the name tag. Martin. Yeah. Martin gives it the new one, and that's when he passes it. He goes like that. Then the yeah. couple walks in, and it ends. Yeah. Um, yeah. How'd you feel about that ending? You know, I, I, it's weird. I think that there are there are things about this movie that work really well, and then there are things about it that I think... I don't know. Like, like, here's the thing, right? I think the high-concept stuff is all great. Like, here's this suburban development, which, if I'm following the movie correctly, all right, this is my interpretation. Martin and all of those, you know, the creatures that are you know, seemingly running this experiment, they're aliens, right? You get that feeling? Yeah, I'd say so. So they're aliens, and basically what they're doing is they're, like, abducting couples who are more or less abducting themselves, Mm. bringing them to a vivarium, which dictionary definition of vivarium is something to the effect of, like, a... It's a a controlled ecosystem that's meant to mimic the reality of of a creature so that you can better understand how that creature thinks, works, operates, lives, right? Mm -hmm. So these aliens are like abducting couples, putting them into a vivarium, watching them raise their offspring to try to glean greater information about how we operate as a society. I would think that this is the initial steps of some type of invasion, like invasion of the body snatchers where the aliens are going to be like okay now we know how they work and now we know how to blend in Mm -hmm. 
So now we're going to go. Um, but, you know, like, this is a very crude vivarium, which is not really giving you the, the... It's not really giving you an accurate depiction of what we're like because it's putting... You know, they, they're not meaning to. They're trying to make this seem as normal and as regular as possible. But all of that regularity speaks against our our chaos you know what i mean our chaotic nature and it it makes us sick so that's why like when you see the grown-up martin and he's so fucking strange it's because the the people that they're learning how to be people from are all under so much stress that they're giving this thing really bad habits you know what i mean like really sick habits so Mm -hmm. i thought like that stuff is great the idea that, like, he digs that hole and he finds other bodies, it's like, holy shit, like, this is kind of the natural thing that keeps happening over and over again. Uh, I didn't feel like it was a loop where he was finding his dead self. I felt like he was finding the last occupants. Yeah, which, yeah, which is exactly the conclusion I came to, too. Yeah. I was like, yeah, I don't think it's a loop of himself. I thought so at first, that it was just, like, you know, like I said, time and the laws of nature just didn't seem to apply there. So I'm like, maybe it's just kind of like a... On like a loop type thing. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, but no, I didn't. It reminded me of um, kind of like the Truman Show. Yes, I was gonna say that too. Yeah. It, it was a little bit like that, and it also. Have you ever seen a movie called Dark City? I can't. I don't want to spoil it. We should watch that too. But Dark City has that like a similar idea about you know what I think is going on in this. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like. I don't think... Did you get the sense that Yonder was a... I don't think Yonder was like a... I feel like you go through Yonder, right? And at some point on the drive, you go through some type of gateway. And that the actual development that they were trapped in was out in space somewhere. Like on a gigantic spaceship. And and that they weren't actually on Earth. Like they drove into Yonder and then they get like almost like teleported or something into you know some other dim- maybe it's another dimension too because it does shift around the way it does so maybe it's yeah. like something a little bit different than that I'm not sure I would think it's something that unless you were brought there you wouldn't have access to because you think right. people that are just like oh this, look at this community like let's just anyone could just drive through it you know yeah. And then what would happen to them? Same thing? I don't, I don't think so. Yeah, like, they, they would drive them. through, and if they kept driving, they would wind up on the other side of it yeah. within, like, two minutes. Mm-hmm. But because maybe somehow they're being transported either into another reality or another place in space, you know, it's it's different. I don't know. Yeah, it's in, all of that stuff is super intriguing to me. Where it becomes less intriguing is I feel like I feel like I kind of want there to be more character drama, mm. maybe, you know, like, I mean, there is character drama, but I, I feel like I, I feel like I wonder if, um, like, maybe if you knew them better, you would see, you would see more stakes and more tension mm-hmm. as the story went on. I watched, uh, you know, I'm a big fan. I'm a, I'm a huge YouTube person. I, I go on YouTube all the time, and I really like Red Letter Media. I've talked about them. I talked about them a long time ago on this show. But uh, if you go on, you can look up, I think it's Quarantine Part 2, K 
catch up or they just talk about a couple of different movies that they've been watching. Um, but one of them. That. Um, and she is the one that says, oh, well, that's just how nature works. It's cruel. You know, there's no rhyme or reason to it. Tom is the one that when he comes down off the ladder, he actually takes a spade out of his tool belt and digs a little grave and lays the babies to rest. And I, he, he, what he was pointing out was that it seems almost like they become the opposite as the movie goes on. Mm-hmm. Like he's the one that's all empathetic and feels bad for the little babies. And she's the one that's like, well, that's just how it works. Yeah. Uh, and then as the movie goes on, she winds up being the one that's all empathetic towards the kid, and he's the one that's like, who yeah. gives a fuck about the kid? So he was like, he felt like that was being set up as a big character thing, and then they kind of betrayed it. Like, they did the reverse later on. I thought that was an interesting point, you know? It does feel like they kind of switch roles, or like we're seeing like a false version of who they are in the beginning. Mm-hmm. You know? I don't know if it's like... But I don't know if that counts as character development or inconsistency, you know? Like, it doesn't feel like enough work is done for me to think that that's an intentional choice. It feels more like an accidental kind of... Yeah. We didn't look at that scene hard enough. The only thing that carries through is that he is the one that digs the grave. You know what I mean? Like, he digs the grave for the two birds, he digs the grave for him and her. You know? Which is kind of interesting. Yeah. Good connection point I didn't do there. Yeah. Um... Yeah, I don't know. I I would have liked to have seen more or, like, given more clarity on, you know, like you said, it seems like they're setting up for some type of invasion or something. I would have liked to see more revealed on that side of things. Right. And not in another movie. No, That yeah. one, I would have liked some type of wrap-up. Like, you don't need to, like, go any further than that. Just give me more of a reason why they're doing what they're doing. And, you know, I feel like they ended it with, like, yep, here comes another couple. It's going to happen again. You know, yep. boom, it ends. Like, great. I'm glad that's going to happen again. But we already know that it's happening because we see other people in that little dimensional shift thing that it happens to. It's not like a, I feel like I try to end it on an impact. Like, oh, it's spooky. It's happening right. again. It's like, we already know that. Yeah. I just, I felt like it ended on a cliffhanger and we didn't get a complete story. I don't know if they're planning on coming out with a continuation, but uh, I feel like I wouldn't want to really see another one, especially not with the characters that we followed through there. I don't know. I feel like I, I'm relatively satisfied with that side of it. It's mm-hmm. weird. Like I, I'm okay with... I, I think I know what was going on. I'm like, okay, yeah. I, I, like, they're planning some type of an invasion. They need to know how we work and how we think so that they can do it quietly. Which is, yeah. which is good. But No, it made more sense when you said that. Well, that's a good way to look at it. Yeah. I don't know. I, I want just like a little bit more. Yeah. I, I really... The, the, the part that I feel like it, it's weak for me is just... I, I think you could have played more with the, the character drama. And I think one of the things that I feel like... You know, like, some people are like, oh, well, see, this is, like, a movie about how, like, suburbia is hell and, like, living in an ordinary life is, like, hell and all this stuff. And I'm like, I don't, I, I feel like it's very anti-child. 
Like, that's what this movie is. It's basically like, look, this is this is what happens. is You meet somebody and you decide to settle down, right? That's how it starts. Mm-hmm. They decide to settle down. They're going to get a house together, right? And then, not long after they get a house, all of a sudden it's like, bam, you got a kid. And then it's like, raise the kid and you'll be released. And now they're stuck in it and they can't not raise the kid, right? And And basically it's like, you watch this kid grow and grow and start kind of getting aloof and ignoring them all together and ignoring that they need help, you know, and, uh, he takes your house from you and eventually you just fucking die and he don't even fucking care. He just throws you in the ground, goes on with his life. And it feels very, like, I feel like it's anti-child. I feel like that's what the point is. Not necessarily suburbia as hell. I feel like what it's saying is that... Kids are your life. Yeah, if you have have a life and you have hopes and dreams and aspirations and you have somebody that you love and all this stuff, having a child puts this immense pressure on you and, and changes your life indefinitely. Like, your life will be forever different because you had a kid. And... It's almost like a like a weird cautionary tale where it's like saying like don't do it. Yeah. Don't do it, you know. That's how I read it. That's funny. Yeah. I feel like basically you know, you take out all the fancy stuff of its aliens and everything and you just look at the bare bones facts like they tried to settle down and then they get they wind up with a kid thrust on them and then they both get more tense and more agitated and they can't escape this reality that they're in. And then they just fucking die, and that's their life, because they had a kid. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I'm crazy. <laughs> no, that's a good point. I think that that's what it's about. Good point. Stop. I think that stop creating humans is what the point of this movie is. There'd be less problems. Yeah. Yeah. Stop having kids. I um. I. I thought that that was an interesting thing to do, like. The, the 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 real threat to your existence, you know what I mean, is is literally replacing yourself, replacing yourself with someone else, you know. Um, I thought that that I, I don't feel like I've seen that in a movie before. Well, who directed this? Oh, I don't know. I'm not sure. I will say that I thought the opening title scrawl was insane because it was like. You know, like, they was showing you who made the movie. There's, like, 20 fucking production companies that were involved in this. Did you notice that? No, I Felt didn't. like it went on for, like, fucking three years. <laughs> them just being, like, random logo for another film house. You know, random logo for another production company. It was just over and over. And I was like, my God, like, this is gratuitous. It reminded me that there was, like, an old Family Guy bit about uh, him going to the theater to watch a movie. And he'd be like, oh, cool, all right, we're on a pirate ship. And then it zoomed out, and it was like, you know, 1692 Productions or whatever. And he was like, oh. And then it was like, space. And he was like, all right, now we're getting started. And then all of a sudden you saw like a shooting star, and it was like, you know, Comet Productions. Mm -hmm. And then it's like, oh. And then they show like an airplane, and like the pilot operating the airplane. And he's like, all right, here we go. And then it like... It was like, bam, first class studios. You know what I mean? It was like over and over and over again. It started feeling like the, the movie's starting. And I kind of was thinking about that in the beginning of that. It was just like one logo after another. And it was like, how long is this going to fucking go yeah, on yeah, for? Yeah. This is fucking crazy. <laughs> um, 
Small observation, I'm pretty sure Imogene Poots and Jesse Eisenberg were in that movie, um, The Art of Self-Defense, that came out. I've never, I've never seen that. It was, it was a little while ago it came out, and, uh, not, not one of my, I didn't, well, I didn't love it, but I just thought it was funny that, like, it seems like they, they like to work together. Yeah. Um, what a winning combination, I, I thought they had good chemistry and stuff, yeah. interesting, but yeah, I don't know, it's a, it's a strange movie. I feel like it's half-baked, though. Like, there's, like, something missing. Yeah, that's kind of my point there. I'm like, yeah, I need something more. You know, something just... I don't know. I'm not entirely satisfied. Yeah. I mean, I feel like it has a lot of potential, and there's some type of, like... I think it's, like, one part what you're saying, where it's, like, add something a little bit more so that you understand the motivations of the enemy. Right, and then I think it's the uh, the it's one part that you could craft. You could craft more interesting tension between the two of them by, like, all right, in the beginning of the movie, right? You have him say, "No, we're not. We don't want to go. We have other things to do." And she's like, "We have to go look." And then so he gets roped into this because of her, right? Yeah. And they never capitalize on that tension. You would think at some point, like, he, like, during a heated argument, like the one where he's having about, like, we're going to starve the kid, you would think that he would be like, we wouldn't even be in this fucking mess if you didn't make us come here. You know? Like, that type of character drama, that's, like, that's good shit. Because it's, like, this simmering resentment that he's been holding quietly this entire time. And now, all of a sudden, in this moment, he has this fucking outraged burst where he lays the cards on the table and kind of, like, says, this is all your fault. Mm-hmm. And then, like, I, I, I would have done it. I don't know. I would have went that way. Yeah. Because he literally says, like, oh, we're gonna, we're not gonna go. Because he's weird. He's, like, he's weirded out by this fucking guy that's so strange and so off-putting that it's like, nah, like, I think we're good. Yeah. You know? And she's the one that's like, we should look. Yeah, and he makes comments about him being persuasive. What is it called? Creepy but persuasive or something like that? Yeah, yeah. Uh, persuasive motherfucker. Yeah. Which was fun to see Jesse Eisenberg say. Again, <laughs> I, I, I think it's like, you know, when, I, when, when we do these shows, like, I, I will look around at different things, but I try to credit where an idea came from. But on Red Letter Media, the idea that they had was that uh, Jesse Eisenberg was miscast. And I don't feel like he's miscast. I feel like he's just playing a part you haven't seen him play before. Um, like, they threw out Chris Pratt. Like, they were like, they should have had Chris Pratt play him. And I'm like, nah. No, thank you. I like Jesse Eisenberg as that character. I think he's good. Yeah. I don't... Mm, I don't know how I feel about Chris Pratt playing that role. It's hard to find... like. I feel like Tom... I, I, I like... Like, I feel like it feels more honest, right? Like, you're not you're not casting a cliché. You're casting an actor that has historically been playing, like, another type of character, and you're having him play that sort of person. So he's bringing, like, a different flavor to it than you would get with somebody that's Chris Pratt or, you know, any of those guys that you would kind of maybe expect to be in a movie like this like I could see maybe somebody a little bit more 
like considerate in their portrayals of things. Like, you might be able to get away with like a Jake Gyllenhaal as that character. Might be kind of cool, mm. you know. Um, you know, you could probably maybe even do like a Tom Hardy type. But there's just something nice about seeing Jesse Eisenberg as like this different type of person, and I think that his, um, you know, his delivery and his approach to that was kind of refreshing. I, I liked it. Yeah, I have no problems with the casting. No. Oh. I felt like they both deliver on exactly what they need to. I felt like Imogene Poots, like, again, that moment of horror when she sees the body bag, like, stays real sharp in my mind. I'm just like, holy fuck, did she bring it for that, you know? I don't know what she was thinking about, and I don't know how she got herself that worked up, but, oh, she, like, lets out this fucking pain, just, like, yelp, scream thing. It was just like, god damn, fucking chilling. But yeah, I think overall, I, I mean, I would recommend checking it out, but I definitely feel like you'll watch it and go, okay, like, you can sense that there's something not quite there, you know? Yeah. Well, I hope if you listen this far, you, you, you've seen the movie... Yeah, actually, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know what am I talking about? I, yeah, I, but no, I know you're saying, like, you know, the, the, for people that haven't watched it, I would, you know, recommend giving it a watch. Yeah. You know, it's an interesting one. But, hmm. you know, like you said, it's missing something. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like character development and a little bit more understanding of the intentions of the threat, you know, would, would be would be nice it does have like a Lovecraftian thing though where you just I, I do like the horror of ambiguity like just not being able to tell like what the fuck this thing is wanting you know definitely like a like a late third act reveal of what everything is and why it's happening would be probably the best because that keeps you ambiguous the rest of the movie mm-hmm. keeps you going like what the fuck is this kid what is this place why are they here how did this happen you know those are great things to keep open and left up in the air like that. So, yeah. I don't know. I feel like uh, I think that was a pretty good one. Mm. I feel like we covered everything that I need to. Yeah, I got, I got nothing else on Vivarium. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we will do... Uh, orphan next yeah, week? Yeah, we'll talk about Orphan. That'll be fun. Um, so, yeah, use the hashtag... WT Fada giveaway one to get yourself a $25 Amazon store gift card and a pack of WT Fada stickers. I'm gonna I'm gonna play the Gemma here and be like, why do we keep doing this when no one's ever gonna <laughs> gonna use the hashtag? Ron, <laughs> uh, would you like some coffee? Yes, please. <laughs> Ron, why are you digging a hole? What are you doing? I I I just I just like to dig. I, I don't feel like I need to justify myself. All right. I, I dig holes that I can't get myself out of yeah. all the time. <laughs> it's like my, my, my trademark. There it is. Mm. That is it. All right, well, on that note, we're out. Thanks yep. for listening, everybody. Enjoy whatever you're doing this weekend. This yeah. Releasing on Friday. Yeah. Right. Socially distant stuff. Socially distant stuff. Yeah. Hopefully no civil unrest with how the next week goes. <clears throat> Fuck, I don't know anything about this election. Yeah. Just, I don't know. 
We're recording on Sunday, so there's five days of development. And right now, things move so fucking fast that by the time we get here, it could be that Trump is has named himself Supreme Emperor, that half of the country is completely in flames, and that John and I no longer host a podcast together. Yeah. That could happen. You never know. What can happen in five days? It's a lot. And uh, that's it. Yeah. Stay safe. Stay safe. And bye, everyone. Bye. Thank you all for listening. And on the next episode of WT Fada, John and I, as we just discussed, are going to be sitting down to watch Orphan. So please stay tuned for that. We appreciate all your support and have a beautiful week. Bye.